Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Icing and Glitter, which is a blog and Instagram page and YouTube channel. So I'm currently in New York recording a bunch of podcast interviews, which I am so excited to share with you. Lots of skincare, wellness, and entrepreneurship content coming your way. Work trips are always super busy for me, and one way I manage stress is by taking Array's Calm Alchemy Capsules. It's 100% natural, completely filler-free, and organic. It contains one of my favorite ingredients, magnesium, which is basically nature's Xanax. I take two before going to bed for the best sleep ever, and sometimes even during the day if I'm really freaking out about something. Use the code DREAMBIGGER at checkout for 10% off. And since we're on the topic of calm, it's a great segue to introduce you to today's guest, Amber Joliet, founder of cult favorite fitness studio, Misfit Studio. Amber's method is so unique because it's a combination of dance, Pilates, and yoga, which she describes as movement. There's a ton of focus on breath, and anyone who's taken a Misfit class can tell you that they come out of it feeling like they're on cloud nine. It's basically like therapy. Amber herself is probably the most zen human I have ever met. Her voice, her energy, everything about her is soothing. On this episode, we get into how Amber started Misfit. She's an artist at her core, so it's really interesting to hear her take on the concept of entrepreneurship. We also dive into all things movement, breath, and meditation. You guys are going to love her and are probably going to want her to release a meditation tape because her voice will make you feel calmer than ever before. (laughs) And with that, let's welcome Amber to the Dream Bigger podcast. All right. So Amber, so to start, I want you to take me back. Tell me about your childhood. Where did you grow up? Okay. Uh, well, first, thank you for having me. Thank, thank you, you for, for inviting coming me. on. <laughs> it's always fun to travel down memory lane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am a Toronto born and raised girl. Yeah. Yeah. I was born in Toronto and grew up in the beaches mm-hmm. and... It was a beautiful way to experience the newness of life. Yeah, I bet. Um, Did you, were you always active when you were growing up? Like what was your childhood like? Yeah, I was very fortunate that my parents put me in dance, which I think is pretty common. Um, I was put in ballet when I was three and it was really something that shifted my life. It became a real driving force. I loved it and it started off 
on Saturdays and then it was three times a week and then it was five times a week and then suddenly I was assisting my ballet teacher at 12 and by the time I was 14 I was teaching dance wow so it's always been like I guess from your very childhood it's been like a huge part of your life yeah I actually call it the first language I I I refer to it as the very first language that I learned. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so from there on, like, how did you, like, what was your introduction to yoga and Pilates from there on? Because you're a dancer. So like, how did all of those components come into play? I think the best way to describe the evolution is that I have always balanced my life between creating art and making dance. And I was always drawing and painting or I was dancing and I managed to somehow build those into careers. And dance is challenging, it's short-lived, it's um, like props to the dancers out there because those are the real athletes. Oh yeah. It's a real life long commitment. And in my heart I will always say I'm a dancer, but at some point I became interested in yoga. Yoga was so this is like if we fast forward, there was a modern dance teacher of mine that used yoga in our beginning series and in the warm-ups. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting movement. And so it became a curiosity of mine, I would say, at about 19. And then I dove right in and I got my certification through Downward Dog. I was actually gifted the scholarship for the downward dog yoga teacher training and my classes then were this real medley of of incorporating the things that I was learning from yoga into this real deep fundamental and bone-based understanding of dance and then shortly after that I found Pilates and I went through a Pilates program I actually did a bunch of different teacher trainings and I started incorporating the element of Pilates because I found it very anatomical and very specific to the human body. And those three really seemed like this magical fabric to weave together to create something that became an expression of me. So what I know from, from like early, early back is that people had a very difficult time describing what my classes were but they always had components of those three elements, dance, yoga, and Pilates. Yeah, and that's what makes it so unique, I feel. Yeah. So you've started, you know, you, you, you've completed your yoga teacher tra training and Pilates, all of this, like your studies. And I read that you were at one point teaching 11 different classes, which is crazy. Like, could you tell me about that point in your life? Like, when was this? 11 different studios. Studios. Oh, my God. Uh -huh. <laughs> More than 11 <laughs> classes then. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have cultivated a lot of classes, but I was teaching at 11 studios. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, before this wildfire of boutique movement studios using the word movement as a description of what you were doing was kind of rebellious. And I wasn't making much money. So I, I used to call it my yoga hustle with a bit of a like laugh and a wink. Yeah. Because it was myself and my bicycle like hustling the city, catching classes wherever I could. I said yes to everything. 
And it was a way to survive because I was dancing, I was selling my paintings, and I was teaching these classes. So it was a way to survive. And I see it now in retrospect. This was the early 2000s um, as like a real way of building my reputation. It was totally unintentional, but teaching at so many different studios and building relationships with the studio owners and then the community that would go to these various studios, you know, like Breathe that was in the Bluer West Village at the time or Downward Dog, which had a studio in the East End at the time, you know, vastly different community-based um, studios and I got to know everybody and people got to know this really interesting and weird and wild class or classes that I was teaching. And so it, in the long run, has actually been a wild benefit because I was building a community even back then as being a bit of this, you know, rebellious wild child in the quote unquote yoga world I think it was so serendipitous and like did you know at the time that you did want to start your own studio when you started teaching at all of these places I mean hell no when we were talking before we started this you said you're an artist yeah and thank you for saying that it's a really weird thing to claim it as your own title but I see myself as an artist I still have a hard time comprehending that what I do is run a business it was honestly not on my radar I was having the time of my life I mean I was doing whatever I wanted I was teaching like in a funny way I would show up and teach these yoga classes or Pilates classes because people need like a fucking title and I was teaching people how to dance and it was lighting something up inside of them so I never imagined that that was something you could build a business on but yeah I mean, it worked out like, I mean, uh, teaching uh, for me, like when I hear your trajectory, like teaching at 11 different studios, I'm thinking like this woman needs to start her own studio. (laughs) And here you are obviously like having started this like incredibly successful, um, like, I guess like movement studio. And like it has such an incredible reputation in the city and it's so different from anything else. So I think like looking back at it, it's just like, it was almost meant to be this way, you know? Yeah, it's so, it's so fascinating really going down memory lane as we started mm-hmm. to see how the universe is always, if, if you are in alignment with yourself and your truth, the universe provides. Yeah. And I really do. I see that time as a way of building and I didn't know it then then it was kind of like doing the thing that was true to my heart while I was collecting the paychecks. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So you're teaching at 11 different studios and what makes you decide to start your own? Because like, did you did you see that there was something missing in the places that you were teaching at? Like what made you decide to like, I guess like make a method that was completely your own and like start a completely different space? Yeah. You know, again, in retrospect, I see what I was doing even then was my own method of movement. It was this co-creation of all of those different modalities that was totally channeled from something outside of me or deep inside of me or however (laughs) that works. Um, But there was a moment, there's just like a little blip in time. So 
I definitely was working a lot. And then there was, I was introduced to a woman who was teaching, uh, who's about to open her own studio. And I decided to just work at one. And it was a really big challenge for me. Um, but I worked at just one studio for a few years. And it was, you know, it was kind of wonderful to see someone build a business from the ground up. Again, I wasn't even considering that opening my own studio would be a thing. Uh, but as the time went on, it became very clear to me that I was doing something that was really different. I was doing something that people were showing up for. And I finally somehow found the courage and I left that studio and opened my own. So what was that process like? Like, t take me, like, right back to when you s opened your first Misfit studio. Like, what was that process like? Uh, well, it's it's so funny. I feel like I, I've been telling this story a lot lately. So um, the truth is that one woman that I did work for was pretty verbally abusive. Ugh. I think that I wouldn't know it then. I wouldn't have used those words then. This is a little bit more common phrasing that we talk about openly. Uh, but I put up with some pretty intense shit. And at one point, she crossed a line. And it set a wildfire inside of me. And I quit. And I kind of didn't know what I was going to do. But I went to a friend's house, or uh, she owned a tattoo shop at the time. She was a good friend of mine, and I went to her place and sat on the floor and was a bit in shock. And we were drinking some wine, and I was like, I don't, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and she said, I've decided I'm going to move to Berlin, so do you want to take over this space? And it was a tiny little spot in Parkdale, and I just said yes. And I met the landlord the next day. We changed our names on the lease. She moved to Berlin two weeks later. I opened a studio two weeks later. I mean, I didn't think about what I was doing. I was totally working from intuition. Wow. Something was driving this wildfire of reaction inside of me. But I know that there was also some kind of greater good looking out that this was actually the path I was supposed to be on, but I needed like a real serious kick in the ass. Sometimes it's like that though, right? Like, and I, I see this like when, I, I think like when you're in like a shitty situation, you, you don't see that this is where like the path is meant to take you. But when you look back in retrospect, I hear this so many times and even just in my own life, like it's that kick in the ass that pushes you into that direction, you know, that you need to be on and it's funny that the universe has like such a strange way of working to like get you on that path one way or the other you know yeah I think it's true it, it, what happened in that moment for me was that there was like a ferociousness that I don't think I had ever tapped into that lives perhaps inside of everybody who is a creator who is a cultivator of something that is new that needs like a real spirit behind it to light it up. And that hasn't gone away since that moment. It just kind of showed something to me that I was finally ready to see. Totally. So how did you go about getting your first students? I guess like you have the studio now, like you're on your own. Like how do you, 
like it's crazy because like you've built such an insane community and like what was the beginning like (laughs) right so it was 2010 which let's go back in time they ain't no such thing as Instagram yeah (laughs) Uh, I don't I didn't use Facebook I didn't have a website it was word of mouth it was I left this studio and a few people who were close friend of mine close friends of mine I told them what I was going to do and I don't know, I just opened the doors and hoped that people would show up and they did. And then they did and then they kept coming. And I think going back to me working at 11 different studios, there was this little whisper that happened through the yoga community that that you know, rebellious wild child chick, she just opened her own studio. So if you liked her classes, this is where you can go and find her. And I kind of loved that there was a bit of mystery that people had to do some work to find me. It really meant that they wanted to be there, that it wasn't just like a thing to do to cross off a list. Right. And I loved that. It really, those days, like I longingly think back on those days as those were, that was my time of freedom. I was doing what I want. I was teaching what I wanted. I had this beautiful little space that was totally manageable. There was enough room for like six mats. I had a little garden. I was planting vegetables. <laughs> I mean, it was idyllic. It was beautiful. Um, and then about six months after being open, I was on the top 10 list in Toronto Life of the best studios. That's Toronto. insane. That's that's quite an achievement in six months. That's and wild. It's, it's also one of those things that like back then those lists actually meant something. So when you know when you were traveling and you wanted to go and take a class, you would use those lists as resource. Well, I mean, I still do. Like if I'm going to a new city, like I will always do my research to find out like which studios I want to go to. Like I, I personally, I love boxing and I'll always find out like what boxing studios are like. I like Pilates as well. So like those are the two I always check if I'm going to like New York or LA. And I look at like Goop or like, you know, like actual traditional media as well to find out like what are the hot places, you know? Yeah. And I think the things that grow organically are truly the experience that people have inside of the class. You know, it's like sometimes you read those reviews and all people do is talk about the way something looks or the way something smells rather than the experience that actually happens in the room. And I love that it was built on word of mouth. It was, I was doing something so different and so challenging to describe that people would take a class and be like, I want to do that again. I'm going to bring a friend. I know somebody that's going to love this thing. And then it built and it built and it built. And suddenly this little tiny space in Parkdale just wasn't big enough. I had to find a new space. That's, I mean, it worked out. It's crazy. It's, it's really a wild journey to think about from back almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. And now you've grown to two locations, which is, I mean, it's crazy. It's it's so, so great. So you you. like, I mean, you are essentially like just the quintessential creative. Like you were painting, you're, you know, into all these different movement modalities. And like, I really do feel like you're, you're an artist. And how was the transition from like artist to entrepreneur? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. Because I I still don't really consider myself an entrepreneur. I know there are some people that 
really thrive on using that word and that title for themselves. Um, I still see what I do every day as an expression of art. I really do. And I think that extends from the very, very bottom or the very, very top and everything in between um, is, is really the, the truth of what I do. So whether it's creating a new class for the repertoire in the Misfit Method, or whether it's diffusing a really challenging situation that has come up, or whether it's having a staff meeting and talking about the new direction we might be moving in, I see it all as a way to be really creative and to achieve this high level of inspiration for everybody that chooses to be a part of what I call a circle. You know, the thing about a circle is that no one's at the highest point. Everybody coexists at the same vibration, ideally. And I think that's what really builds the strongest team. So to be an entrepreneur, I maybe I would rather go with the word leader because there is something that is still driving me to want to co-create and want to do this <laughs> crazy thing all day, every day. I like how you frame it from that lens because I think that like you stay true to like who you are at your core and like I guess entrepreneur like quote unquote is just like a, a part of it and you've like integrated it in. I don't know like yeah. if that makes sense. Like yes, I feel like you still identify it. as like definitely like artist and like the way you're talking about your business is that like oh like I have staff meetings and it's still like this is a way for me to be creative. Like I think it's so cool that you like think of it like that. You know you stay true to your roots. Yes. Yes. I think it's the only way for it to be real. And there's so much especially in today's world that isn't based in truth that's based on this really strange superficiality that can occur. And there is something about knowing your roots and being grounded in your truth and speaking with conviction from a place of truth that is long lasting. Like that's, that's longevity. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, if someone is in your position 10 years ago and wants to open up their own studio, do you have any actionable tips you could give them? Mm. Be ready for it to become your entire life. It's like your baby. It becomes your baby. It is your baby. And it has to be. This like side hustle thing is really challenging for me to understand. But I also come from a place of passion that if something is meant to really have, you know, the, the resonance that something can have out there in the world... You know, when you eat a fantastic meal, it's, it's the food, sure, but it's the experience of what the food is. Or if you have a conversation that shifts your perspective, you remember all of the elements of the conversation. I think that is something that can be integrated into like quite literally everything you do. So it isn't just, I'm gonna wake up and create this business plan and like this is the way it's just gonna go. There's gotta be a seed of passion that drives you through both the highs and the lows because there certainly is going to be times of real dark lows and then there's going to be beautiful times of celebrations and highs. But what is that constant that is going to keep you breathing and sustaining through it? And I believe it's passion. 
So I would say if someone wants to do whatever it is they want to do, they got to want to do it even in their sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's great advice and it's so true. I feel like in order to drive a business, you need to like eat, breathe and sleep it, you know, you need to really love it. So I think it's great advice. Um, speaking of challenges that you've, I guess, encountered, could you think of any that you've really dealt with in your business that like, I mean, like you do have to have passion to get through those dark moments, as you said. So like, do you, can you recollect any like particularly challenging times while launching your business or during your, like while you were launched or whatever it is? Yes, there have been really big challenges. Um, you know, including things that happen out of control, like natural disasters. Of course. There was a flood that completely demolished one of my studios Oof. in 2013, which forced a relocation and in that process of relocating you know some of the some of the little dark shadows that were existing that maybe I always knew about that I didn't really want to deal with or confront became inevitable to have to deal with um you know personality conflicts because sometimes Two people just don't work together very well or the priorities of two different people clash. You know, I think there's challenges that show up in so many different ways. And really, if if you have a personal practice that can keep you in a place of calm and quiet from the inside out, it may take some time, but that there is always a lesson. There is always some kind of deep-rooted lesson that is meant to be learned from every challenge and every obstacle. Yeah. So even though I was in the thick of it many different times, and some of them took longer to understand, <laughs> I see them all now as gems, as, as pearls of wisdom that have helped me stand really strong in what I believe now. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I like to call, like, challenges, like... um like they're like struggles that you look back on and you learn so much from and it's really a common theme like I think any any like business owner anyone actually even like with any part of your life like you deal with such challenging periods and you look back and you see that there's like been a lesson in that and I think like especially when it comes to owning a business like like I've been in shit so many times and it feels so dark and so terrible when you're in it but then you come out and you're like whoa okay that was definitely a lesson and like you apply it you apply that lesson so that I guess you don't get into the same thing like later on and you learn from it so yes yes yeah ideally yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so misfit has a cult following like literally a cult following and how how do you cultivate a community like that because I would say it's one of the top studios in Toronto. Like once someone goes, I feel like they're hooked. I mean, thank you so much yeah, for saying that. It's true. I I think a lot of it has to do with taking the time to honor everybody that chooses to be there and do little simple things like get to know people's names. I have a conversation with people, remember what's going on in their life. 
And I start off, I've asked all of the teachers to start off their class or end the class by taking a moment to really honor and acknowledge the people in the room who have chosen. Life is full of choices. So who have chosen to be there. And then I think, you know, on, on a deeper level, yes, the movement is beautiful. Yes, the movement is full of this creative expression and ultimately the cueing of, you know, seek freedom from the inside out is something that shows up in every class regardless of which one you take at Misfit Studio. But I think a deeper part of, of the fabric of what the community is built on are these like little acknowledgements that if we understand that moving our physical body helps to untangle, I love using the word untangle, the emotional wreckage and the emotional turmoil and the emotional knots that we so often hold onto and get stuck in, if we understand that that is part of the process and through that process on the other side of it is this higher vibration and this deeper understanding of like, I don't need to create my own self-misery if I'm going through something, I'd rather be here and yell and dance and scream and laugh and cry and put on really loud music. And these strangers that are in the room suddenly don't feel like strangers anymore because we're all looking at each other and understanding this is, this is what it is to be human. I've had a shitty day. I'm going to move my body around and suddenly I feel better. I mean, there is something to that. Physiologically, we know there is that beautiful cascade that happens after you move your body that releases serotonin and endorphin and adrenaline. And then you want to feel that good all the time. It's, it's like true. you then magnetize high vibration towards you and you want to have conversations with people who are like-minded. And that is what the community is built on. People who understand or are seeking the same ultimately freedom and to know that like we are not our thoughts. We have so many thoughts that float in and out of our mind day in, day out, moment by moment. And recognizing that we don't have to hook into them. That they can be these free floating thoughts. And that you can release them. And by releasing them, it's like moving your body and understanding that you don't have to let them get stuck and trapped. I love that. I feel like uh, movement is like meditation almost like it's it's so therapeutic we say this all the time movement is meditation or movement is medicine and it is therapeutic it is freeing it is healing it is the thing that helps you feel so much more connected to you yeah yeah absolutely if someone is new to movement um and they're nervous to start what advice can you give them yeah I do get this question especially when I open a new studio I get this question a lot and I think I kind of have two answers like number one I feel like there's the you don't have to, you don't have to do anything you just got to show up as you and if you can just show up as you with a real open mind and with this slight sense of curiosity then the class is going to gift you exactly what you need in that moment if you can put aside the like, I don't know what I'm going to look like or I don't know what I'm supposed to wear. If you can just like move all that aside and know that something greater is happening, then that's what it's about. Then there's the other answer, which is if it's not speaking to you and it's not your thing, that's okay too. 
there's so many ways to move the body. I talk about this a lot with uh, uh, the, the managers at the studio because I'm not a very good salesperson. I really do think, like, if this is the thing that, that speaks to your soul, then do it. If it's not, then go find the thing that does speak to your soul. Maybe it's swimming. Maybe it's boxing. But. but I love that you say that, right? And you're not the first person to tell me this, actually, like this piece of advice, because like, I don't think that one kind of movement works for everyone. And I do think that it's about finding that thing that brings you joy. Like I always mm-hmm. cite this example for me, it was running and I hated it. And I remember growing up, it was just like, everyone was like, oh, like my friends would be, oh, I'm going running and it's so therapeutic. And I was like, what? what are you talking about? This is like torture to me. I hate it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'd like miss workouts and just not really want to move because running was just this like, just this terrible thing. And when you find that thing that like really speaks to your soul, I feel like you really look forward to it. So it's nice that it's coming from you who's like a leader in this. And it's so true. It's not, it's not necessary that like every kind of movement is for everyone. That's why there's so many options out there. That's why there's so many options. And as you personally evolve, I think so too will your movement expression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just the way we are designed. Yeah, I love that. I think it's I think it's very, very smart advice. So at Misfit, you guys are obviously big on breath work. Um, so do you have certain breathing exercises that you do that I mean, you could advise that people do at home or like, where did breathwork come from even? Yeah, sure. Breathwork is, it's a huge component. I say all the time, if we learn how to work with ourselves, we can actually tap into our own power. Because I think we can all recognize that moment when your heart is pounding, when you're about to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone, you can't even breathe properly. That if you could just drop back into your body get a hold of your heart, consciously slow the breath and synchronize the heart back into a more conscious and slow and melodic rhythm, suddenly you're more present. You're actually in the moment. And so breath work is a huge part of the Misfit Method because that is how each class starts. We start off, I call it by setting space. You set space inside yourself and in the room. And it's, to me, the fastest way to recognize if I'm spinning out and caught in my mind, if I'm doing that, like, reciting some old shit that's happened in the past, that we all do, that we all, like, love to torture ourselves with, (laughs) (laughs) or do the future projecting into, like, to notice it, and then to call yourself back in and simply breathe. So the easiest, or I think the most accessible way to do this is by counting out the breath. So counting into the count of four and breathing out to the count of four. And it can just be a number that you repeat in your mind, like a real slow breathe in through the nose and breathe out through the nose. And do that until you feel like, okay, my body temperature is leveled. I feel like I'm myself again. I can dive back in, okay, and we're good. And that is the self-regulation that we or I talk about in the movement and in the classes all the time. Another nice little breath work that I love to give to people, especially if they're experiencing like a high level of stress or anxiety or if they're having trouble sleeping, is alternate nostril breathing. 
What so, is that? Yeah. You plug one nostril. I mean, there's this fancy way to do it with your thumb and your pinky finger. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> so you plug one nostril and breathe in through the open one and then switch and breathe out through the other one. And do that on a cycle of eight and then switch. Do it on a cycle of four and then switch. And basically, it also helps to regulate the nervous system and all of the systems in the body. If you notice, when you breathe in through the right side, it's cool air. And if you breathe out through the left side, it's warm air. The left and the right side of the bodies represent the masculine and the feminine. And if we can get to this place where we're really as close to balance as possible, it helps the nervous system calm and it helps people fall into sleep a little deeper. Or again, to be in the moment, to practice what I like to say, practice the art of presence. Presence is an art form. You got to be in it. It's part of the passion. I'm, I'm doing this tonight before going to bed, this like alternate nostril breathing. It Dude. sounds, I mean, I've never heard of this. This is incredible. Yeah. I mean, I wish I made it up. It's not a me thing. It's <laughs> ancient. Yeah, but I've never heard of it. So as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> this is you. <laughs> well, my gift to you, but you try it. Let me know what you think. It just, it helps calm and soothe. And that to me is part of, you know, learning how to work with ourselves to tap into the power that we have inside of us. And once we know this like limitless resource, then we stop looking for outside anything. We stop going to our phone all the time. We stop going to the fridge all the time. We stop going to other people for advice. We can listen to the intuition inside and know that we are our own guide. You, I mean, you're so zen. (laughs) I love it. Um, have you like do you also meditate is that something that you do I do yes how did you get into that I how did I get into that you know I think there was definitely this moment during the yoga teacher training that I recognized that all of my years of dance specifically ballet was that I was meditating movement is meditation it was just a moving meditation but it was yoga that really I guess, opened me to what meditation was about. So I've had a practice, mostly daily practice, depending on what's going on. (laughs) Uh, But it really, I notice the days that I don't start off, even with five minutes of starting off the day in silence and focusing on breath. It's like it sets the tone for the rest of the day. It really does. Like even for me, um, I had gotten into a habit. I did like I did meditation for I think like 60 or 90 days straight. And the the way it shifted like my perspective and just the way I was dealing with things, it was incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I know I need to get back into it, which is like I've I've neglected the practice for a little while. And like it's crazy. Like I remember I felt a difference and just the way I was dealing with things. I was calmer. I was less rattled by small things. So and. I see that like with uh, with people who are like regular with meditation, I'm like, you have a Zen energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's like a little blanket that you get to put over yourself to say, yeah, I'm back inside. I love that. OK, so last two questions are very much about you. So first okay. and foremost, how do you practice self-care? Oh, self-care. 
Self-care. To me, self-care is eating really well, drinking tons of clean and fresh water. I have I have this like, skincare regime. Wait, tell me about it. I'm obsessed so with skincare. I, I got to know more about the skincare regime. It just, <laughs> it's like it, it closes the day for me. It's like a chapter ending. Oh, I'm the same. Uh, I'm obsessive. I, like, yes, love it. <laughs> Wash my face with this like beautiful charcoal bubbling face wash from i want all the details where is it from i don't even know i can picture the little jar you have to tell me later i'm gonna put it into show notes yes yes and then lots of rose water lots of hydrolonic hyaluronic acid yes smother my face in that any specific brand um i love the abnormal beauty company so anything desian they're great they're great it's mostly natural products. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can get behind it. And then Province Apothecary Oils. I smother myself with Province Apothecary Oils. Well, your skin looks great. Why, thank you. <laughs> um, what Do you have a specific oil blend that you like from Province? Well, I, I have one made for me, and I treat myself to a facial there once a month. Oh, wow. Yes, and now that I'm pregnant, I have a totally different one because apparently you can't have essential oils or in, in in abundance they have to be very very minimal so i have more like black pepper and black cumin oil and that's all a, new smells all new flavors yeah I'm into but, it but black cumin oil is supposed to be great for you like even yeah. for your immune system like i actually have it when i have colds oh so. really yeah well i dig it i'm yeah, into it yeah um okay so the last question that i have is to walk me through your morning routine do you have one I do. Yes, I do. I wake up and sit directly in my bed and I turn on my little salt lamp beside my bed. I need to get me one of those. They're just, they create this really warm, soothing glow of a light. It's my fave. Yeah. Especially now because it's dark when I wake up. (laughs) Struggle. Yeah. It's, it's real. It's real. And I sit and meditate five, 10 on a good day, 15 minutes. And then I have a little ritual that I perform every morning. What is the ritual? Where I burn something and it's seasonal. So sometimes it's sage, sometimes it's a stick of Palo Santo. Right now it's cinnamon because we're in autumn. Just a cinnamon stick you burn it? Yeah. Wow. Just a cinnamon stick. And I give thanks to my ancestors some of them I know, some of them I don't know, for giving me the gift and the light that is exactly who I am. And then I release all trauma and heartache that they have been through so I don't carry it into my life journey. I love that. And it's something I've been doing for a really long time that has helped me both honor the past and help me not repeat the past. I love that. How did you like? How did you learn how to do that? Oh, I, I've got some good witch doctors that uh, guide me along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I know a lot of people like um, I've heard in ayahuasca rituals, it's quite common sometimes to like, um, like actually like come into contact with like your ancestors and find out about past trauma. So this is just oh, what wow. I've heard from like people who've done ayahuasca. It's something that I find really really interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. I have not done ayahuasca ceremony I've heard lots of people have great yeah. things to say about yeah. it, but no 
more like uh, over the years mm -hmm. lots of different therapists and dream interpretation therapists yeah because this is the first I've heard of someone like bringing that practice into their like regular everyday ritual and like you're one of the first people I've spoken to who've like talked about like specifically that like releasing trauma from like past generations um or like people in the past basically I think it's I think it's awesome and like it's a great way to start your day yeah well it helps align me I'll, mm -hmm. I'll say that for sure because yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge you know especially the ones that I don't know that I will never have access to knowing and it's a it's a wild thing to think about yeah totally so after your ritual is there anything you drink eat or are you just off to oh, work yeah. then you know it's like shower put the kettle on get a coffee going I make a smoothie that's full of all kinds of wild wait you gotta tell me I'm like I'm all about specifics <laughs> <laughs> we like specifics here <laughs> okay okay uh so let's see there's there's a whole bunch of drops of vitamin d there is coconut oil spinach banana mango that sounds delicious <laughs> yeah maybe some almond butter and then what else goes in there some chaga goes in there Ooh. some ashwagandha goes in there right now really into collagen that goes in there and I blend it all up. I think that's probably it right now. Love it. And then you <laughs> yeah. should off starting the day. And then, yes. And then so begins the day. Amazing. Before we wrap, tell everyone where they can find you. Instagram, website, all this sort of thing. Yes. Misfitstudio.com. Instagram is the same. Just at Misfitstudio. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Wait. Do you want to receive a short email from me with exclusive content every week? Sign up to the Icing and Glitter newsletter and I'll send you my top five skincare secrets along with a weekly email with bite-sized tips and tricks, giveaways, recipes, and so much more. I'll leave the details in the show notes.